I'm Alex Rybczynski. I'm Angie Czech. I'm Barbara Stewart. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I'm Marin Green. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Valerie Jacobson. And this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this next edition of the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. For those of you who don't know, I'm Dr. Nathan Riley. I'm the Holistic OBGYN. In case you're wondering what Holistic OBGYN care looks like, it's not just birth control and surgery and the crinkly paper you sit on. Imagine that last visit you went to your doctor, right? Like you get your pap, you maybe get some STD screening. Uh, they ask you about your, you know, they spend like 15 seconds talking about exercise and diet and this and that. Well, that was what I grew tired of. I now have my own practice where we spend as many hours as you possibly need in order to make sure you're optimally healthy before, during, and after pregnancy into the postpartum. I'm sorry, into postpartum, but also into the postmenopausal period. We, I borrow from so many different technologies in order to make sure that people really have their issues addressed as opposed to just putting a Band-Aid on it. So you can find me at BelovedHolistics.com. Um, I also collaborate with other healthcare professionals uh, through a monthly program. You can find all of that on my, my website. My past interviews, you know, recent interviews have been with uh, Annalima Water, Dolph, Zent- Dolph Zentinga. He created this wand that contains coherent water that's been, it's absorbed full spectrum UV for, for an entire 365 days. And that coherent water is, is placed within a quartz wand that you use to stir any drinking water that comes out of the tap, etc. I, I put all of my water through a Berkey filter and then I will stir it as well. And that gives it some coherence, which is really the way nature intended. If you go into the mountains of Brazil, like Lençóis, Lençóis, sorry, is the Portuguese, as you'd say it in Portuguese, in Bahia, in the state of Brazil, uh, in, in a state in Brazil, you can find these mountains that are pure white, like powder white mountains. And um, you can go hiking around in them. And they're, they're like a solid, I don't even know what the mineral content of the, is of those rocks, but the water comes down through the, the rich rainforests of Brazil. And they emerge in this area in Bahia where you can hike on these crystal white rocks. Like, I, can't, I mean, it's like, it's like they're as white as, as like a piece of paper. And the water that comes through and sprinkles out and runs through these ro- rocks is like tea-colored. Because it's soaked up so much nutrition from the soil and, and the clay and the earth that it emerges as a hyper-rich, hyper-nutrient-rich uh, tea. And um, if you're drinking water like that, then perhaps you don't have to worry about this. That's the way that nature intended water. You know, it goes through all these little eddies and vortices and, and what emerges is a really, really healthy form of drinking water. And um, we don't really have a way of doing that. You know, our water comes from wherever, goes to some treatment center, gets treated with all these chemicals, then heads through a bunch of lead pipes into your house, which is not lead, but it's traveled miles in lead pipes already, emerges from your faucet, and it's not structured at all. There's no coherence whatsoever as to how the molecules interact with one another. So we have to consider what's in the water, and is the water coherent? Is it going to actually sustain and um, and adapt with our bodies, right? And Considering just how important is, water is for how the plasma circulating through our veins and the, the uh, membrane potential across every membrane of every cell, including our nervous system, including our gonads, including our bone marrow, I mean, in all of our tissues, when you consider that, you have to think like, whoa, 
that is not something my doctor is talking about. And so that's a, just a part of the conversation I have with patients. So reason I say all that is that my guest today is not somebody that you would typically expect to find on a, um, a medical podcast. My, my guest is a, a good friend of mine. His name is Ryan Sprague. He lives up in, in uh, Massachusetts and he is a cannabis farmer and he takes farming cannabis to a whole nother level. And what I mean by that is that he is, he's thoughtful about the quality of the soil that he grows, that he grows in. And the quality of his cannabis flower is the highest quality because he's put so much time into the soil. Similar to whenever you come to me for your maternity care, we're going to optimize the health of the soil, your body, the womb, your endocrine system, in order to make sure that the baby is receiving maximum nutrition from a healthy gut to healthy heart to healthy lungs and kidneys. And that baby is going to grow in the temple that is your body. Well, similarly, the way that we grow plants, including but especially cannabis nowadays with how engineered the process has become and how commercialized the process has come, Ryan doesn't engage in that. Ryan is, is, cares for the soil the way that I care for you and your body. And cannabis has so many benefits. So apart from even just the palliative nature of cannabis use, Ryan is a huge proponent and advocate for cannabis as a natural part of our spiritual, emotional, etheric growth. And of course, you know, that, that is not even to mention all of the physical attributes of how this can improve our health. So I brought Ryan on the show to talk a little bit about how he grows cannabis and how he utilizes this and some other plant medicines, mushrooms, etc. in his health, because I think this is important. I think that this is a really, really important piece that's missing from the, the general medical language. Keep in mind that cannabinoid receptors, cannabinoids are really the, you have endocannabinoids that are made within your uh, nervous system, but there, there are, can, you know, cannabo- cannabinoids, of course, in cannabis products as well. It's, it's in the name. And the receptors are, are, most, uh, are, are in highest concentration in your nervous system. But in women, the second highest location of cannabinoid receptors is in your uterus and ovaries and your adrenals. So how can these technologies be used? We're going to talk a little bit more about this in the show. But I just want you to have an open mind when we have these conversations. We could talk about cervical cancer and uterine cancer and birth control and all that stuff, and we will eventually in the show, but I'm having so much fun bringing people on the show who have a slightly different approach and take on what keeps us feeling and performing our best. And Ryan Sprague is a gem of a man, gem of a human. He has a great podcast of his own. We'll link all of that in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by Organifi and WaveBlock. We can't do it without them. I'll give you some details throughout the episode about them. I am currently drinking some uh, Organifi green juice right now. It's delicious, and I feel well cared for by that company. And I hope that if you're listening on your headphones or your phone that you're using some sort of harmonizing technology or EMF blocking technology, which you can find at WaveBlock. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the lovely, caring, compassionate, super charming and sweet and cuddly Ryan Sprague. Ryan, welcome to the show. I didn't want to do any more chit-chatting because what we were talking about is actually very relevant to health. You're, you're a coach, you're a podcaster, you grow plants, medicinal plants, you also have all the normal life stuff. I think my wife described it best when she was like, honey, at some point you need to change your life. And this has changed, uh, but it took me a while to kind of figure it out. But I wake up and it's like, I'm just redlining it all day long, screaming, screaming, running around the house, ah, until my bam, head hits the pillow. 
go back to sleep, <laughs> try to get eight to nine hours of sleep, wake up and do it all over again. So I know that you've got a lot going on uh, as a means of trying to introduce you even better. Tell me, what's a, a day in the life of Ryan Sprague all about? <laughs> yeah, man, this is a great question. And it brings up a funny, uh, you know, idea or idea, we'll say, right, to be on brand. <laughs> uh, but, you know, <laughs> you know, we know the power of affirmations, right? right. And so there was a time uh, about two years ago when I really started getting into traveling a lot and highly optimized really started to take off where I started saying an affirmation, you know, I love making people laugh. And so I started saying all gas, no breaks. And so I was joking about it, saying it, you know, probably three to five times a day constantly. <laughs> and then recently, as I've started to feel the, the challenges with that affirmation, I started asking myself, like, Maybe I should, you know, soft talk acknowledge, maybe I should figure out a different affirmation because I don't know if all gas, no breaks is the best thing to be telling my nervous system yeah. three to five times a day, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so now how my life goes, you know, and, and again, like you said, it's been a lot of trial and error figuring this out. And it's still a work in progress, right? Like we were talking right before we started about how like, yeah, we're both feeling it, right? Mm. And so what I do each morning is I'll wake up. I usually wake up around seven, seven thirty. I'm a night owl. So it's really like around 11 o'clock, I click into like a second gear. And so getting myself to bed on time is a challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, of course, I'm always looking to get eight or nine hours. Recently, it's been like I've been sleeping through alarms and, you know, I'm, I'm seeing all the signs of redlining. And so yeah, yeah. when I wake up, you know, I go into my energy cultivation practice. So it's pretty cold here in Boston right now. But I get outside every morning and I do Tai Chi right in the yard. Uh, we were talking about this uh, recently, I think, through voice notes or something. And that's been really helpful, you know, mm. getting outside and just like getting moving right away. Because I was yeah. doing breath work. And then I realized I was out there just shivering, like outside doing breath work. And I was like, why don't I combine some movement and breathing? Yeah. So I'll, yeah. Start, with, I'll start with Tai Chi. And then I come back upstairs and I'll sage myself, uh, my house. And then I'll do Palo Santo after. And then I do my mystery school rituals. And so these are five different prayers, essentially, uh, that I go through that the mystery schools passed down for 8,000 years. And I've recently become an initiate into there. And then I go into a meditation. And uh, normally I do a laying meditation. I like lying down when I do when I do meditation. It just helps me more. Like standing up, usually my neck will fall forward and that gets me right out of meditation. So I'll go through about 40 minutes of that. And then after that, and then I'll go downstairs, uh, start saying my affirmations and breathing them in while I'm making cacao. Cacao has been like my my savior in the morning. You know, I don't drink coffee. And there was a long time where I was taking myself way too seriously, intermittent fasting, just piling on all the yang that I possibly could. So now I, I, I do that while I'm making cacao. I do affirmations. I'll say my manifestation. I'll get my cacao all ready with my creamer and everything perfect. And then I'll come upstairs and I'll start moving and then I'll get into my exercise routine and then I get going for the day. And uh, once I get going for the day, what I found was the big challenge was when I didn't have that morning practice, right? When I, when I was like, oh, you know, I would love to do that, but I, let me just do this first. Let me get into work first. My mind would just go wild. And so oh, really yeah. what I... You know, like, and, and it's a, it's a classic entrepreneur thing, classic people thing in today's world, right? Like our minds are going so fast, getting that lasso around my mind first thing in the morning allows me to come at my day from a place of presence. And some days are better than others, of course, but 
you know, once my day starts going, I have anything from, you know, like tonight, uh, my schedule today is doing this podcast with you. I have another podcast I'm doing for the psychedelic podcast. I have some con- consultations I'm doing for people uh, with grows, helping them with some issues they're having with pests and molds and things like that. And then I'm teaching connect with cannabis tonight and uh, I have Muay Thai. So there's always like different things going through my days, but the most important part of my day is my morning ritual mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. therefore my evening ritual too, where I'm just like foam rolling and I'm doing some deep breathing. Those are what allow me to redline and allow me to realize like, okay, how long is this redline period going to be? Put a date to it, right? Okay. It's going to be eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever. And then from there, really center in and allow myself to have the energy each day necessary to be able to redline, right? Yeah. yeah. Everything that that you and I were talking about before the show, of course, it's a little tongue in cheek because if you were redlining it long enough for hard enough, your wheels are going to fall off. And you and I have both experienced that to some degree. When I was in residency, it was four hours of sleep a day. You're only working at night. So you're sleeping during the day, trying to get a nap in between your 18 hour shifts or whatever for six weeks straight. And I was still crossfitting. I was still like trying to get the boulder shoulders and keep my abs popping. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> after so much crappy hospital food and not drinking the best water, because like, you don't have an option. You're in the hospital. You have to bring like, I even brought my own, uh, slow cooker so that while I was working, I would be slow cooking food that would be ready when I woke up after my nap. But I would, I would walk to the CrossFit gym, crush it go into the hospital, work another 18 hours, get home, sleep for four hours. There's a, a dog barking, super sensitive microphone here. Um, <laughs> it's a good mic. <laughs> yeah, it's a good mic. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, there's only so much you can do before your adrenals just become shot, shriveled little raisins. And uh, I think that the morning routine you're describing is really great because in my work as an OBGYN, we're talking a lot about cycles, you know, the cycle right. of life. You know, it's reflected in the, the the carbon cycles in nature, in composting piles and whatnot, but then also within our bodies, especially women's bodies, your vital right. sign of menstruation. If you're regularly bleeding, predictably bleeding, you're in touch with with the ground. I mean, you're, you're connected with nature. But then when you even consider on a, so that's like on a monthly basis, but if you even consider on a, an annual basis, right, you know, ovulation or menstruation, I, I should say is actually, uh, menstruation, excuse me, is in the winter. And that's when you're supposed to be nesting and resting and sort of, uh, recharging your battery. And then spring comes and that's when things start to kind of wake up a little bit, you know, and then you ovulate in summer and that's whenever you're hitting it hard before fall where you wind down and, hibernate again in winter. So, so, you know, and, and then for me and you as men, we don't have menstrual cycles, but for any human being during your day, if you wake up out of bed and you're immediately going to the, to the email, to the texting, to the bookkeeping, to whatever it is, like you just, you're just going to blow yourself out. Like you just can't have your foot on the gas. You have to be just accelerating a little bit as, a, as you need it. And then maybe after lunch, you hit it hard for a few hours, but then you need that play and that wind down time before bed. And it took me years to kind of figure that out. So I'm curious, Ryan, do you, do you have a male and female clients that you coach? Yeah, absolutely. You know, in my one-on-one work, I focus more with men. Um, that's just how it's you know played out so sure. far. But in Connect with Cannabis, we have just about an even uh, gender ratio between males and females. And, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to comment on too, Please, is yeah. I, imagine for, I imagine for every woman listening, you can understand that while men might not bleed, we definitely have our own menstruation Amen. type, you know, yeah. symptoms, right? And, yeah. <laughs> and I feel a lot of men don't recognize that. 
you know, the women and the other friends in our lives too suffer as a result, right? Because we think that we can go through bullheaded and, you know, all these things that men have come to say for years, no pain, no gain, right, uh, right. suck it up, all of these things, right? Which, you know, I'm a big language nerd and, you know, these things start manifesting in your life, right? I mean, this yeah. is how life works. What you believe is what creates your reality, right? Right. And, you know, it's very interesting because, you know, realizing that, you know, like you were talking about, understanding when you're hitting a corner versus hitting a straightaway, right? <laughs> Just like a race, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's so important because, life as I've, you know, come to realize it and understand it is really about balance, yeah. right? And without that balance, you don't really have like, you know, there's that saying, uh, your yes has no power until you learn to say no. Mm. And, and, and that was very powerful for me. But you know, what I translated it into that was even more powerful for me was your on has no power until mm. you learn to turn off. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my dad used to say, there's only so many clicks in that button. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I I don't think that's what he was talking about, but it certainly makes sense to me. It's like, at some point, you just have to, like, reset. Yeah. Yeah. So... (laughs) That lands. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate you saying that. I mean, really a big part of the conversation, people think they hear OBGYN and what we're going to be talking about is cervical cancer screening or whatever else. And, like, that's the easy part. Like, that's the boring. It's sort of like when diet became a big thing, people were talking about weighing their protein, their carbohydrates and their fat. And like, it's all about the macros and these ratios and all this stuff. But, mm-hmm. but in reality, like that's the easy part. Like forget about macros. Like let's actually talk about micronutrients, which are so much more abstract. And then we can even go further than that. We can talk about, you know, the mitochondrial health or, you know, NAD or NAC. I mean, you could, you could go so, so, so deep with this stuff. And I, I, I kind of feel like uh, that's kind of where it's at right now with my care of women is like, let's actually think about what is the, what are these cycles? And if you are gifted with, you know, a uterus and ovaries, you actually have this thing that happens every month and it's a f- reflection of your, your vital status. You know, if you're not having yeah, regular predictable bleeds, yeah, there's something going on upstream. And for men, we think that we're immune to that, but we have just as wild of fluctuations. We just don't have a period that tells us, okay, I'm still on the right track or, whoa, I didn't get my period. What's going on here? We don't even reflect on it. We're just told the harder you work, the bigger your gains, the more valuable you are. And and I think that men and women both need to kind of push on the brakes a little bit more. Absolutely. You know, I mean, one, one thing that makes me think of is, you know, it's the classic going from the left brain of like, oh, I got to measure all these yeah, things. And, right. and that's, you know, that has its place, right? It's useful in some, you know, degree, but it's really clicking into the right brain of how do I feel today, right? I know on my calendar, it says I'm going to go to CrossFit today and crush a new PR. But if I didn't get good sleep last night, and you know, for me, like my aura ring tells me like, it's time to get some rest, right? Am I going to go do that just because my left brain tells me, well, that's on the calendar today. And that's what you're going to do. Right now, you know, I think what we're talking about too is, yeah, there is a time where like, maybe you decide, yeah, I'm going to push through it today and kind of find a new edge for myself. Right. 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 But if that becomes a cycle, then eventually you're going to burn out. Right. And, you know, I'm not sure if you've ever looked into human design. Have you done? Your human I have. Design yeah. Yeah. I am a, uh, my wife and I are both manifest, manifesting generators manifesting or generators? something like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't remember. I'm, I get it all mixed up, but <laughs> yeah, you're lucky. You know, you guys make your own energy, right? So generators yeah. and manifesting generators, Rachel does. I mean, she's a whiz with human design. If you ever want a reading, go through her. She, she's taken a class on it and everything. And she's told me a lot about myself through that system. And so manifesting generators, manifestors and generators, they make their own energy, right? So, Mm. so essentially they can cultivate energy from within. 
where me, I'm a projector. You know, I use my voice and all these things, probably why I have two podcasts, right? And, <laughs> but, but at the same time, like, you know, I don't make my own energy. The conditions of my day to day are what either give me energy or take it away. And so, you know, the people I surround myself with, uh, it's very important. You know, the whole ideal client thing for, for being a coach is extremely important for me because if I work with people that are my ideal client, I can get my battery drained really quickly. Uh. And it took me, it's taken me years to, to really understand that. And I still, you know, touch the hot stove pretty often, right. And, and get a little burned and I'm like, Oh, that didn't work out too well. But you know, at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that we're scientists of our own life, right? Sure, Real science, sure. not science. I say a science these days. <laughs> oh, man, we could talk about that. Uh, we should probably <laughs> what a, talk what about that. What a rabbit that. hole. <laughs> God, yeah. Well, you know, you let, let's actually, let, let is, let's get us get into some of the stuff that I know is important to you. I know the bio, biogeometry is important to you. You've got your yes. your uh, biogeometry pendants on. I've got mine on. Yes. I wear these all the time. And um, before we get into like cannabis, let's talk a little bit about biogeometry because this is one other topic that people are, are frazzled by, like uh, EMF, mm. you know, EMF and this low dose radiation that's just pe peppering us all day long, especially mm -hmm. if you've got your cell phone, four powerful antennas in your iPhone strapped right to your inner thigh, sitting right next to your gonads and, and the little earbuds that you've got in your head, you know, that are just... Mm leaking radiation, you know, low dose, but it's consistent all day long because we're listening to shit all day long on planes and in the garden, whatever. So talk to me a little bit about biogeometry, because I know that this is something you're really passionate about as well. And uh, yeah. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the a sponsor of our show is uh, WaveBlock. They use these stickers that block radiation from the phone. And I've always said, hey, mm. you can't block it all. You can't mitigate it all through biogeometry. So why not combine the two? And get the best of both worlds. So, I, I'm just a, that's a shameless plug for WaveBlock, our sponsor. But um, t tell me your conception of biogeometry, EMF, and how you're using it in your own health. And I know you also use it in your growing, um, your your yes. cannabis practice. So, so so lay it on me, man. Yeah, dude. Uh, consider it being laid. You know, uh, <laughs> you know. The first thing is, you know, I combine different systems too. You know, I combine QLink, and uh, I hadn't heard of. You said their name is Wave. Wave Block. Wave. Yeah. Wave Block. Yeah. They I'll make a, adhesive stickers that go on your devices. Gotcha. Yeah, I just actually got finally the new biogeometry sticker for my phone. Uh, it had been like TBA for so long, and they finally announced the new one and released it with the five G upgrade. And uh, I've had that on my phone and I, you know, I clear it every day. And, you know, really, I got into biogeometry through a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Paul Check. Yeah. Um, you know, he, we were talking about growing cannabis and he was like, hey, you know, this might be something interesting for you to do. He knew that I was very big into regenerative agriculture and Korean natural farming and biodynamic farming and working with the land. And, you know, so I tried it out in my garden and got some ridiculous results. I mean, when you've been cultivating for as long as I have, right, and and just nerding out on the whole subject of cannabis cultivation, and, you know, I worked in the professional industry as a cultivator and patient care advocate for five years. And so I understand, like, you know, everything from the systems I don't use, like chemical salt nutrients, that right. many dispensaries I consult for use, all the way through organic farming. And so, you know, really, you know, there's always these tips and tricks that people do to get higher yields and, you know, more potency and all these things. And most of the time, they're really damaging to the actual quality of the plant, right? It's very similar to how we Meaning understand EMF, that. EMF in general, you mean? Like if it's there's a lot of uh, stuff around? 
Well, that too, but also just the things that people use to increase yields, right? Oh, like just oh, gotcha, in general. And, gotcha. And, and kind of like the, the analogy I always use is, yeah, if you take steroids, you're going to look amazing, right? To the, to the naked eye, right? You're going to look amazing to people looking at you. But how amazing are you going to be feeling within, right? In a long-term mm. uh, scenario. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my, my point in talking about this is that when I implemented biogeometry, my yields doubled. And, you know, I just do a small personal grow here in Massachusetts because it's legal to do so. And so, you know, I had been, you know, using the same genetics for quite a long time and, you know, always nerding out, trying new things. And, you know, by adding this system, my yields doubled and I had no other explanation for it. I hadn't changed anything else. Um, and I didn't expect those type of results. And so that really got me curious about biogeometry. And I, again, at that point, I had understood EMFs. I had understood the damage, uh, the damaging effects of them. I'd been using systems like Q-Link and whatnot. But biogeometry really got me intrigued because, first of all, anything that's from Egypt, uh, I'm immediately intrigued. <laughs> I'm very called to <laughs> anything. You know, it's like it's just like yeah, let me nerd out on that. And so when I did research into Dr. Abraham Kareem, yeah, I realized I'm like, oh, this guy, how is how I am with cannabis, this guy is with EMF, right? And so, you know, for anyone listening, I mean, this guy's been doing this since the 70s. Yeah. I mean, like, you think EMF is now? Just, <laughs> yeah, just think about talking about EMF in the 70s, right? People sure. be like, yeah, go smoke sure. another one, man, right? Right, but, right. But you know, the way that I understand it is that, you know, we as human beings and really everything in life has a biofield, right? Mm-hmm. And in that biofield is all the information that our body needs to heal itself, right? So if we have a liver issue, there's some type of frequency in our biofield that if we have a clear biofield, the body can start to redash member how to like heal the liver in this mm. scenario, right? But the challenge is that, and, and I'll, I'll use an analogy after because I, I love analogies to bring this stuff home, but the challenge is that over time with these EMFs, with these amazing advancements in technology, right? All this stuff that is amazing, there's also a downside to it, right? Is that we're getting a lot of interference in our biofield. And so the analogy I like to use is, you imagine you uh, are taking a math test and you study for it for a week beforehand, right? And you're ready. But then when you get into the class, someone's yelling in your ear constantly, like full blast yelling in your ear as you're trying to do this test. Now, no matter how well you know the info, how well are you going to be able to perform on that mm, test, right? Mm-hmm. Probably not nearly as well as if you had a quiet room to do that testing, right? Right, And so that's the analogy I use to help people understand what is happening in our biofield and why it's so imperative that we use EMF blocking uh, uh, systems that allow our human biofield to reach homeostasis. Because, you know, something that, you know, I've gotten into a lot is that when we are born, right? And I imagine you know a lot about this too. When we're born, when we're in, you know, in, in, you know, in our birthing process, right? Our body has a genetic code that allows us to grow a liver, to grow a kidney, right? Or two kidneys, hopefully, to develop our brain, to do all of these things, right? But yet, as we get older, and say we get like kidney cancer, or something like liver cancer, why is it not possible for our body to regrow that liver, right? Somewhere in there, the genetic code is in, genetic right. code is in there, right? And so, right. You know, it's it's very interesting. You know, I don't really have a specific answer for that. I've watched some really interesting things on Gaia to do with that. But it all goes back to this idea that basically we are in uh, a disharmonious state as human beings and really the world in general. But we'll speak to human beings since, you know, allegedly we are that, (laughs) you know, to the best of my uh, evidence so far. And so, you know, really for me, what I started noticing when I started using biogeometry and these other technologies was a much clearer mind, mm. uh, much less scatterbrain, much less brain fog, 
And of course, you know, I saw the results uh, quantifiably in, you know, my grow and things like this. And so, you know, then I started really nerding out and being like, okay, how much of this can I like, how deep does this rabbit hole go? And so now I have two cubes in my household, uh, you know, which for anyone listening, the cube is like the, the, the ethos and like the main concept or aspect of the biogeometry system. I have this, the stickers on literally everything from my webcam to my mic, to my computer, to my wow. phone, to the, the desk that I'm using, it's an electronic desk. And I have that on, I have a, uh, L 66 on the charger for it or the, uh, the plug for it. You know, I really just put it on everything. And since then, you know, again, I do a lot of stuff in my life and, you know, I realize that correlation doesn't necessarily equal causation, but I will say that it's quantifiably true in my experience of life that when I started using this stuff, life improved exponentially. Right. And a lot of the body issues I was dealing with for so long, headaches, neck tension, lower back pain seemed to vanish. And I've been hitting it harder than I ever have in the gym with Muay Thai, with all of these things, working out six days a week, sometimes twice a day. And, you know, of course, I'm eating a very healthy diet. I'm interacting with symbiotic products, you know, all the things, but I was doing all those things before and still had yeah. that pain. So yeah. it's very interesting how deep this rabbit hole goes, but it's changed my life in very profound ways. So I have to take a very, very brief pause here, everybody, to tell you about our sponsor, waveblock.com. And it's my pleasure to talk about WaveBlock because they make these incredible EMF blocking stickers that work better than any other product in the market. Ben Salem, the owner, can produce the lab reports in order to prove it. He's put together these this company that produces stickers for your earbuds and for your phones. And the reason this is important is because EMF is ubiquitously harmful when you're being exposed to it all day, all night, at all times. At night, I turn off my Wi-Fi router. We shut down everything in the house, everything possible. We wear our biogeometry pendants, etc., but we also want to block as much of that EMF as possible. If you haven't read The Invisible Rainbow by Arthur Furstenberg, it gives a 500-page account as to how EMF and the electrification of the world is impacting the health of the biosphere, the, uh, our ecological systems within, uh, as well as our own health. And so this is something that is, is increasingly important and that we all should be really, really thoughtful about as 5G, 6G, 7G, or whatever rules out in the future. So go to waveblock.com. You save 25% if you use code BELOVED at checkout. And you can get stickers that will block most of the radiation, about 70% of the radi radiation from your earbuds, which are just millimeters from your brain. And you can also, they also make stickers for the backs of your cell phones, which are oftentimes sitting in your pocket, inches away from your gonads and some of your other vital organs. So go to waveblock.com, use code BELOVED, save 25% on EMF blocking stickers for your devices. Let's get back to my conversation with Ryan. So you're using it like in, I, I don't want to say a greenhouse, but you're in New York. So you probably have some semblance of a greenhouse, right? Yeah. It's, it's basically like a small tent, you know, is basically Got what it. I, what I do my stuff in and it's, it's about a closet size, you know, and, uh, and, you know, again, when I was working in the professional cannabis industry, I was working on a larger scale, but those people, you know, most, most big companies are not going to really care to put biogeometry in something like that, unless they know it will increase their yields. So this was like my little experiment, like, okay, cool, let me see what happens. And, you know, the, not only did the yields double, but the quality doubled as well. Mm. And by quality, I don't necessarily mean the, the measures or the metrics that most people think of when they think of cannabis, like higher potency, um, you know, higher terpene content, those things did happen. Um, I was able to test them through a state registered lab here and and see that but the feel, the overall feeling like the energetic yeah, signature yeah, you yeah. know if you want to use more of the right brain uh type <clears> explanation <throat> for it that's what really changed and and again it's really hard to 
explain these qualitative aspects of cannabis, of the human body, of, of just life in general, right? Because they aren't really measurable, right? They're, <laughs> they're more of the right brain type, you know, experiential um, uh, subjects and concepts. And so, you know, it's been very interesting interacting with the plant that way, because I can tell that, you know, just the, the energy when I go in there is, is very different as well. And, and this is like, you know, really what I talk a lot about in Conecco Cannabis. Uh, but again, Conecco Cannabis isn't really focused on cultivating cannabis. But in the grow courses that I am uh, creating right now, it's a gigantic component of it. Because at the end of the day, you know, biogeometry, I mean, a cube kit is about $280, mm-hmm. give or take, right? Mm-hmm. And that will give you everything you need for your house, including a small grow like I have, right? And so, you know, the other part of it, too, is that I've taken the bio, the biogeometry foundations course and in there they actually talked about it, and I felt like it was the universe paying me because <laughs> uh you know Jack told me about it I did it I took the course and then in there they start talking one one quick little section uh that my teacher Chris was talking about he was like yeah actually in Sweden there's uh hemp farmers that use uh wooden shapes right they make biogeometry shapes out of wood and they put them in their plants no and way. their yields doubled yeah, and their yields doubled. And now their 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 farms next door, the other people are like, hey, what are you doing differently? So what I'm getting at here is that if you're someone who's like, hey, I don't have $280 to spend right now. Okay, awesome. All you need to do is either through a 3D printer or through a woodworking thing, create shapes that on average cost anywhere from 10 cents to $2 a piece and put them in your containers with the plants and that will start getting you the results. And then you can also put those same shapes around your house. And if you can't afford the system, you can still get a lot of the benefits without having to necessarily drop the amount of money that is necessary to get the full cube and the whole kit. So it's a, I, I really haven't found a system that is easier to implement at such a low cost uh, for both the human the, the human health, like the human being's health, and yeah. also for plant health, for animal health, for everything else. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah, Doria Kareem's going to be coming on the show. And um, Paul, of course, our, our friend Paul Check, she, he introduced me and she sent me a bunch of pendants and she sent me their books. Um, because I think for those of us in medicine, if you're listening and you're a doctor or whatever, we get so wrapped up in the quantifiable, the measurable aspects. And you and I have talked about this, Ryan, that and, you know, in the classic line, if you listen to anybody in our circles speak about this stuff is it's like the Tom Cowan, the uh, Kyle Kingsbury. I've heard it on his podcast. I've heard it on Aubrey's podcast. I've heard it on Paul's podcast. I've heard it on your podcast. Just because we can't measure something at this moment doesn't mean it's not relevant or not valuable. And exactly. the classic, the classic question always is, you know, if I cut your head open, where will I find consciousness? If I cut your chest open, where, where will I find love? It's not yes. measurable in the way that we that we seem to value the sort of reductive nature of being human. But does that mean mm-hmm. that your experience while you were on mushrooms or ayahuasca or cannabis was any less relevant? Of course not. In mm-hmm. fact, when I was on, you know, I did a silhuasca ceremony. It was like twenty hours with Paul and some other people. Oh, I heard about that. <laughs> yeah, Kyle. Kyle was there, and and yeah. um, during that experience, this is really kind of mind blowing. During that experience, my daughter was eight months, something like that. And I had this wild vision while I was in this in ceremony with this medicine of me sitting with her and she's holding a sunflower and she looks up to me and she goes, like she's going to kiss me. And we always kiss like, like a kiss on the lips, you know, and she just loves her daddy. And in that experience, I was being confronted with all that this little kid wants me to do is be still with her and be present, you know, back to our redlining conversation. 
And it became so real to me that when I finally came out of that ceremony, I texted my wife and I said, honey, I need you to find that video of Penny sitting on my lap and looking up at me and, and kiss and wanting to kiss me like, hi, dada. And then like this very vivid thing. Well, she was like, I don't know what video you're talking about. And it turns out that that never happened. I had created something and, and it remains so tangibly real to me that I can think about that moment and I get teary eyed and I start to get, I start to get upset because it was a confrontation with how little time I was spending with my daughter. And that was part of the reason I was in ceremony. I was being confronted with this. So somebody might say, Hey, your experience on quote drugs, because all drugs are bad, right? Ryan, they're not, they're not real. They're not relevant. (laughs) Yeah. I I can't measure it. So we reduce it down to the, the constituent components, terpenes, whatever, cannabinoids, whatever it is. But if I take a carrot apart and I have beta carotene and vitamin A or whatever the hell cellulose, I don't put that back in together and make, remake a carrot. Like once you take these things apart, you now are left with constituent components, but you're not really left with the experience of being a carrot. And, um, and so just for anybody out there, if you're in medicine, just because you can't measure it doesn't mean it's not relevant. It might not be relevant, but it's very easy just to dismiss anything that we can't measure. And this biogeometry thing is kind of tricky. Like it Mm -hmm. sounds woo, but I'm way out of the woo closet and I know you are. And I can say the same. I, I wear the pendants. We turn our routers off. We use the stickers on our phones. We, we do all of that stuff. And I think life is better. So if it's placebo, if it's whatever, who cares? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what does placebo really mean? It means it worked without having to have the actual thing do it. Right. Right. And so, you know, placebo effect really speaks to the power of the mind or power Mm. of the heart, whatever you want to call it. Right. But, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges is that I think a lot of people are, you know, in the, in the realm, especially the people that are, you know, scientists, doctors, people like this, you know, for the most part have been taught to believe that there's no magic in life. And so everywhere they go, they just see like, well, there's gotta be a reason for that. Right. That's right. And you know what? Yeah. Maybe there is a reason or maybe there's not. Right. But at the end of the day, we have seven and a half, you know, so odd billion different realities in, in this world. Right. We all like to think we live in the same world, but we don't, right? Everyone's, you know, how do I know that you see the same color orange that I do, right? I don't know that, right? right? I can I can choose to believe it, but I don't know it. And I think that one of the biggest challenges is that people somewhere along the way thought that they had to know things, right? Mm. But the challenge is that when you know something, it's it's a it's another aspect of you closing your mind off. Because if I know that biogeometry is bullshit, if you tell me about it, I'm closed off to it because right. I already know Right. 100%. Right. That it's not real. Right. So that's like what the fifth agreement talks about, which is be skeptical, but learn to listen, be yeah. open minded. Right. Yeah. And this is like why I love conspiracy theories. I don't go to sleep believing them necessarily, but I definitely try them on. Right. Because yeah. at the end of the day, the degree to which I can listen to crazy conspiracy theories like flat earth and all of these things and just hear people out and be like, I want to hear your argument for this. I'm just yeah. curious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean I believe it, but I'm open minded to it. Sure. Right. Sure. And I think that. You know, one of the things is that if something is real to us, why does anyone else get to tell us it's not real, right? (laughs) Now, again, there's obviously like if someone thinks that they're going to save the world by killing a lot of people or something, of course, you know, there are certain lines (laughs) to this, right? But in, in in this very like non-dangerous, undangerous experience of you doing psilocybin and having that experience. Yeah, someone could say, oh, well, you know, that was just, you know, the process of your mind releasing serotonin and dopamine leading to this experience. 
sure, if that's how you want to think about life, be my guest. But yeah. I'd rather think there's magic in life, not because I can prove it quantifiably, but because it helps my experience of life be so much more colorful. And again, when you start believing that, that's going to start showing up in your life more. Yeah. I mean, this is why, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of saying that I think that every politician should have to go through seven, at least seven ayahuasca ceremonies before <laughs> they start to become a politician, because it'll tell them right off the bat. I mean, when we look at the world right now, and this is a rabbit hole we could go down, but I'll, I'll keep it short. But, you know, when we look at the world right now, there are a lot of people that are running malware programs that are completely unaware that they're running malware programs, mm. right? The whole like, you need to do something to keep me safe. It's like, well, that's called externalization of personal <laughs> power. That's not really how this is supposed to work. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. but like at the end of the day, if someone is willing, if someone wants to have power over other people, the only way I feel to keep that power in check is to actually check out like, where are my intentions coming from that I want this power? Yeah. And so one of the things that I believe is that if every politician went through a minimum of seven ayahuasca ceremonies, they would know real quick where that where they want that power from. And it'd be much harder for them to know that they wanted the power from a place of like Gestapo-ness and then actually go for it because then they'd actually feel the harm and the the disharmony, uh, the disharmony of wanting to do that. And so that's just, you know, my own little perfect, uh, perfect world example. But, you know, I think the world would be a better place if we did that. <laughs> I, I do too. I mean, the, the one, apart from a couple people in my personal life, the one differentiating factor as to how, where people fall in the COVID conversation is all of the people in my life who've done any ceremony with plant medicines, mushrooms, whatever, they all fall on the side of like, I don't know. And I'm willing to be wrong. And that might actually mean that they ultimately end up deciding that, hey, maybe the vaccine is a good idea. And two years into the thing, they finally succumb to the pressure. Fine. But mm -hmm. they they haven't just committed to the course of like, well, there's going to be some figure in the sky, whether it's a government you know, agency, politician, the Pope, whoever, that just hands down <laughs> the way to, to, you know, here's the way to live, right? The people that do plant medicines, that sit in ceremony with mushrooms or whatever, they see through that that false reality, that construct. And and that's also, I think people also consider, you know, they, they think that when people talk about their their spiritual experiences, whether they come through plant medicines or otherwise, I think that people misconstrue that for, I've done ayahuasca, now I am enlightened. Like, that's also not, yeah. like, that's not the point of doing ayahuasca. You're not better than anybody. And if, if you've really sat exactly. with it, you realize it's, it's a humbling experience. It's like, whoa, I didn't realize how little I actually know to be, quote, true about the world. <laughs> yes. And, and so anyways, I really like where you're going with this because we've accepted that there is a way to do things in order to stay healthy, right? You take your statin, you... Uh, whatever you exercise more, you eat less. It's all the bullshit that people taught me to tell people when I was in medical school. And while parts of that are really helpful, like if you have to go to your doctor in order to quote, stay healthy, you're basically saying, I don't have the power to change anything. I need this person in a white coat, the new priests. I need them to actually show me the way. And what I yes. think you and I both probably like the kinship we share is that you have all of the power right there in your meat suit and beyond yes. <laughs> and in, in your field, I should say, that surrounds your meat suit and penetrates your meat suit. Like you've got it all right there. This is not woo woo. Yeah. This is not necessarily even metaphysical. Like this is actually a very real reality. And the reason I know is because I'm here and I'm experiencing it. <laughs> yes. So 
So anyways, I, 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 I kind of took us off track there a little bit, but I, I want people to appreciate that you don't, you don't really need your doctors and your surgeons. Like those are good people to have there in your back pocket in case something catastrophic happens. It's really up to you to find the right combination of lifestyle things, whether it's this ingredient being a, a biogeometry pendant or finding the, the best cannabis on the market grown by the most conscious farmer to help mm. you with your fibromyalgia or your chronic pelvic pain or whatever else. Since we're talking about OBGYN stuff, um, why don't we actually transition into that? You know, you said you have about 50-50 maybe in your cannabis uh, uh, course. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So yep. so how are women approaching this as a, a therapeutic in their own lives, mm. whether they're going to be taking on clients and teaching them how to use cannabis or they're using it themselves? Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to touch on and what you were saying right there Please, is, yeah. you know, it's it's I know that this stuff can sting, right? When we when you first get started on taking your power back and admitting that everything in your life has happened as a result of you, right? And what you believe and all of these things, I realize why people get triggered over that and want to lash out and say, no, right. I don't have any control over that happening. I don't have any control over this. I get it, right? But also, the, the sting will only last so long. Right. And on the other side right. of that is a world of freedom, right? <clears throat> because then... If you're not getting desirable results in your life, well, who's the only person that can change it? Right. You. And guess who you don't have to pay any money to see? Yourself, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I think one of the things that's Just so look challenging in the mirror and let's is, talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that one of the biggest challenges is that we've understood healthcare to be sick care, right? Yeah, I mean, right. what is sick care? It's like, oh, I'm sick. Let me go to the doctor and externalize my power and ask them what I should do. And of course, there are times, right? I think I said this in the podcast we did on Highly Optimized. If you get in a car accident, don't try to meditate right. your way out of it, right? Don't clench your biogeometry <laughs> magnet like, you know, pendant, right? You got to get that but it's, big again, chunk like, of metal out of your head first, and then we can meditate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, I wanted to say that, but, you know, one thing I've noticed with regards to cannabis and women is that women instinctively understand cannabis a lot more than men. And this comes down to, I mean, it's a multifaceted thing, but at the heart of it, I really feel it's because cannabis is feminine medicine. And I can get much more into what I mean by that. But the whole idea is that, you know, women understand like these cycles, they understand, you know, how to commune, they, they're, they're, they're more likely to enter the right brain more often, right? Because they're more likely to access intuition, right? Again, we they have that monthly cycle that allows them to tap in and go, how am I doing, right? Not, yeah. did I hit my macros? Did I do my workouts? Well, then everything should be fine, even though I'm not <laughs> bleeding, right? It's like, they have this intuitive sense to them that's kind of built in, right? And men, yeah. we have to usually pay thousands of dollars to remember how to do this kind of stuff, you know? And yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's, you know, and so one thing I've noticed with women is that, you know, of course, they get so much relief from things like fibromyalgia, things like, you know, uh, menstrual cramps, all of those kind of things that have, you know, pretty heavy research behind them with regards to cannabis. But, you know, one of the things I've noticed uh, very heavily within the course is that, you know, of course, I'm certifying coaches, right? I'm working with coaches to certify them on how to coach with cannabis and understand the language. Women pick it up so quickly. They just instinctively get it. And then they're showing me stuff they're doing where I'm like, wow, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, it's yeah. very interesting. Whereas, whereas men, it's almost more of like, like where women kind of take it and go, oh, I, I know exactly how to do this. Like, okay, I get it. And they go off and do it with their clients. Men, I'm finding are more, more so like taking more time to start 
doing this stuff with themselves, right? Because again, like starting to tune into like how they feel moment to moment, right? Is so different than like, well, my calendar says this, so that's what I'm doing, mm-hmm. right? Whereas mm-hmm. once again, women have that instinctively within them. And so and that's been one of the biggest differences I've noticed is that, you know, with cannabis being feminine, it helps women so much, but it also helps men a lot too. Because with women, of course, like anything that helps women slow down and accept like what they're feeling and be able to tune into that is great. But I find men like just like we were talking about, right? Most men are redlining. They have no awareness of feminine energy in their life, right? They've been told or brought up to not cry and all these things. And so then they usually find cannabis and, you know, they, they use it to numb out right? Because they haven't found the power of intention yet. Oh, yeah. So this is one of the biggest challenges I find with cannabis. And this happens with women too, is that, you know, I start talking about how I talk with cannabis and they're like, what do you mean it helps you feel things like cannabis numbs me out? It's like, yeah, because you're unconsciously setting the intention for it to numb you out, right? You come home after a long day at work and you're like, I want to feel better, right? And then you just interact with cannabis and then you get the result that you get, right? But if you consciously go into that experience and you ask the plant like, hey, I know that there's something in there that I'm not seeing. Maybe my ego is protecting me from it. Any of these things, I want to face that, right? Mm. I want to feel it. Mm. Then what will happen is a dramatically different experience, right? Like one of the examples that I go on, this happened with a good buddy of mine who's gone through Connect with Cannabis. And he's been interacting with cannabis for many years. He's uh, 45, so he's about 15 years older than me. And uh, it was the summertime. And we wanted to hit some bags and go play Can Jam right? And go get the inner child out and go play and have fun and take ourselves less seriously. And so, you know, I'd been telling him all about connect with cannabis. And this is before he went through. So he went to go hit the bag. And I'm like, Hey, what's your intention? And he was like, he's been going through a lot with his father, Mm. you know, his father's declining health and stuff. And he's like, you know, I've been going through a lot, you know, and, and I've been, you know, really feeling a lot of you know challenges in my life. And, you know, I really just want to let it all go. You know, I want to let it all go. And I want to feel lighter. Right. And he hits the bag. Right. I'm like, mm. cool. I make my intention. The rest of the people make their intention and we go out. And this is about five or 10 minutes later. We're getting ready to go out in the yard and play can jam. And he's sitting down and I'm like, I'm like, hey, you ready to go play? And he's like, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of feeling a little strange. Like, give me a second. I'm like, OK, so we're chilling. <laughs> we're hanging out. Couple of minutes later, I'm like, "Hey, how you doing?" He's like, "Dude, I don't know. I don't feel good." And he's starting to turn like that white color that you know. Oh, he's like, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to pass out. I don't really know what's happening. I knew in my head, I'm like, "Okay, he's getting exactly what he asked for, right?" But I'm like, "All right, yeah. Let me know if you need anything." I gave him some space. About three minutes later, he just bursts out crying, right? Just sobbing, shaking uncontrollably, tremoring, right? And you know, I'm rubbing his back. I'm helping him through it. And you know, about 10, 15 minutes after that starts, it stops, right? <laughs> and he's like, "Wow." I feel a lot better. And I go, Hey, what was your intention? And he's like, Oh my God. Right. And so that's like what I'm talking about with, with intention, you can do you. I mean, you can put this on anything. Of course, we're talking about cannabis, but you know, with regards to anything, I mean, you can put it on your water, you can put it on whatever you want, but you know, that's one of the biggest things I see with cannabis with regards to men and women is that women instinctively just understand cannabis and the language that she speaks in a little bit better than men. And that's an example of, you know, how men and women differ with uh, the language cannabis speaks in. Yeah. And you did mention tobacco as well, which which I don't know how they are genealogically related, but I'm sure that they are, are fairly close to one another sort of in the in the genus area, maybe not mm-hmm. the species, but, you know, ayahuasca, the, the various plants that are used in, in ceremonies and whatnot, they all kind of stem from tobacco and cannabis. I mean, like there's like the two mothers and all these other plants have seemed to kind of 
kind of uh, filling the gaps, so to speak. Mm. And so without even knowing too much about the geneal or the taxonomic classification of tobacco and cannabis and whatever else, I do know, because I have a friend who's a, a Chinese medicine doctor named um, Valerie Jakobsen. She's excellent. And she and she's also ex- really, really excited about tobacco because when they were in training, it's, it was all women in her program, from what I understand. There was like 10 of them. And on their herbalism rotations or whatever in school, they would go out into the field to find the plants that they wanted to better understand to study. And you'd offer tobacco at the base of the plant. And the plant yes, would. Yes, I do have cannabis. Yeah. Okay. So there, there you go. So um, she said that you'd you'd ask permission and you'd offer tobacco, and even if the tobacco plant said no, you can still keep the tobacco. They'd keep a little like twisted, um, like a tobacco twist, and shave off a little piece for uh, the plants that they wanted to sample. And she, then they would go into ritual, into ceremony, and n- not with not with like plant medicines or anything. They would just build a fire, do some dancing, do some drumming, and then call to the call to to spirit, to source, to find right. out. What is the use of this plant? How can this plant heal me or or help whatever? And um, mm. invariably, they all kind of got the same messages from ceremony about what various plants were used for, which is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> but it's it, amazing. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, one might say it's magic, right? <laughs> well, it, it's what's that frame, famous phrase? Like any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. But yes. but the more and more specialized we get in technology, the less things actually look like magic, and the more we try to quantify things versus technology that were being used by Native Americans and and indigenous mm. communities around the world, where it's like they knew what these plants were capable of way before we had modern quote modern science, you know, and mm. uh, and so so even the idea of technology to me is a little bit baffling. It's like, well, if this is technology. Then what is what is communing with spirit and finding and in, 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 in intuiting what use this plant has or cannabis has or this strain of tobacco has or whatever else? Mm-hmm. So I think that the intuitive part of this is really interesting. And my Chinese uh, medicine doc told me that tobacco oftentimes doesn't work very well with people who are in, I think she said it was in yin excess, probably because it is such a yin fostering yes. plant. So I've I've got a little bit of a lack of yin. I may have this backwards, but anyways, it, it was energetically speaking that some people may actually not do so well with cannabis because they're in yang or yin excess, one of the two. Mm-hmm. And women tend to obviously be at least the divine feminine is is manifested as yin. I mean, we can call it yin versus the masculine being yang, and uh, and so we're not talking about male and female. We're talking about feminine masculine here. But yes, when it when when a woman with a uterus with ovaries walks into the class and is already very grounded, it probably comes very, very quickly for her to say like, aha, I like feel what this is about as opposed to, you know, the, the, the sort of left brain, I understand what this is about. And that's probably where men kind of get caught up is like, I need to know the mechanism and the receptors and all this other stuff. Like, <laughs> that's cool. Like, I'm sure you know that stuff too, but, but, uh, so tell me about, do you have any success stories of people who've, who've really kind of kind of pussyfooted around cannabis and then they really immersed themselves and they, and they were like, Oh my God, this is, this changes everything. Like specifically female. I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah, absolutely. The, the first person I can call on is my, is my partner, Rachel, right? Like 
you know, when she first started interacting with cannabis, she was really getting challenged with a lot of different stuff. She was very intermasculine. She was getting up at four in the morning to go work out and do these things, which were great, right? They're not inherently bad right. things. They're not good or bad, right? But but at what point were they diminishing return, right? And mm. so she didn't know what she didn't know. She was also <laughs> having a lot of sleep challenges and a lot of trauma related to uh, some sexual trauma when she was around 14 or 15. And so you know, she started experimenting with cannabis when she went to college and all of her friends were drinking. And of course she drank, but she was like, there's something missing. And so she tried cannabis and she was like, wow, this allows me to sleep better. This allows me to actually relax, get out of her masculine. Hey, maybe it's okay, you know, quote unquote, soft talk. Maybe it's okay if I let myself sleep in sometimes and allow myself to take a walk instead of hitting the CrossFit gym, right? Or something like that. Yeah. So that's like, you know, the closest success story to me, but also my mother, you know, my mother is someone who is in a lot of pain on a daily basis. Um, She's also someone who has been on pharmaceuticals for years to do with anxiety, depression, things like this. And, uh, and also, I mean, you know, she's someone who has gone through her fair share of traumatic events and things Mm. like that. And over the years, you know, of course, she's seen me uh, interact with cannabis and live a very healthy life. Right. And so eventually her pain point got high enough where she was like, okay, I'm interested. Let's, let's, let's try this out. Right. Because her, (laughs) the whole reason she didn't interact with cannabis is she's like, Ryan, the one time I did, you know, I liked this guy when I was 16 and, you know, we went to the beach and uh, he got me high and I puked all over his shoes. I just never (laughs) wanted to do it again. Right. And I was like, okay, mom, well, you know, there's a, there's a safer way to do it than that. Right. We we know about titrating doses. Now we understand strains, we understand all of these quantifiable things. And I can also help you through the qualitative aspects of what your soul and spirit are saying and all of these things. And so she started interacting with cannabis and was able to cut her pharmaceuticals in half. And that amount is still going down. Uh, it's just like, you know, you know, being a doctor, you can't just get off of certain pharmaceuticals. Like there is like, uh, like not half lives, but like just safe amounts to go down when you're working with anti-anxiety medications and things like that. But she's been able to uh, remediate a lot of her conditions and, and severely be able to mitigate her use of pharmaceuticals through the power of cannabis. And then uh, there have been two people that have gone through cannabis so far uh, that are women that have uh, had very big releases to do with trauma. And uh, this trauma could stem from anything from parents dying to sexual trauma to things like that, where they come to the call and they're like, this module really allowed me to like really crack myself open. And that's one of the things that I see for men and women that is so powerful with cannabis, you know, is that as someone like me who, again, you know, again, like men and women have masculine and feminine, right? And we know that, or at least from from my understanding, and I imagine you've seen it too, women are very in their masculine these days, right? Because yeah. we've been in the very masculine driven world for so long. And that's why the age of Aquarius is like, thank goodness for men and women. Finally, we can allow some femininity to come back into the world, Amen, which yeah. is the best part of life in my opinion anyway. And it's like, what would you rather be doing? Spreadsheets or laying on a hammock, right? Masculine <laughs> versus feminine, you know? It's like, you know? And so yeah. I'm really glad that the world is moving in the way it is. But with this excess of masculine energy, whether you're female or male, what happens a lot of the time, and I'll speak to my personal experience because I can speak to that. And I imagine many listeners can tune in and, you know, draw similarities and correlations to their own experiences that, you know, as traumas start to happen, either capital T traumas like car accidents, loved ones dying, et cetera, or micro traumas, lowercase t traumas, like the idea of like water wearing rocks into smooth edges over thousands of years, sure, type trauma, sure. like micro traumas, things like this. 
you know, what happens is, uh, at least for me, I ended up in constant cycles of busyness, right? And the trauma started piling up. And then I was looking to, you know, party on the weekends and things like this in my younger years to forget, right? And then I was interacting with cannabis even mm. in a way to forget, right? Mm. Thinking that by forgetting, oh, thank God, I can go home and interact with this plant and forget about my day. Well, the next day I woke up, the same problem was still there, right? Mm. And so one of the things that I noticed being so powerful about cannabis as feminine medicine is that it is nurturing, right? Just like feminine energy and divine feminine energy really is. Yeah. It's what allows you as a human being, whether you're male or female, to take your armor off and stop taking yourself so damn seriously, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I'm careful to use binary language, but I will, I will say it. I think we all, I believe we all go through traumas, right? And I believe we all hold a lot in. And I believe that leads to a... Uh, undesirable list of results in our lives, right? Whether yeah, it be yeah. lack of connection, right? I mean, we talk about this, you know, loneliness epidemic, when really loneliness is the result of not feeling the ability to be able to connect with yourself, those you love and the world around you, right? It's like, all of these things are rooted in feminine energy being the, the solution for them. Right. And so, one of the things I've noticed so powerfully about, you know, cannabis and doing the course and working with men and women is that it's really just this ability for people in general to tune in the feminine energy that seems to really be like the, the, the foundation of what allows this plant to work so well. And you don't have to go to a jungle to do it. It's the least stigmatized out of any plant. You can do it in your living room. You don't have to take time off of work, right? It's, right. it's the people's psychedelic, right? Yeah. So it puts yeah. the power back into the hands of the people. So I'm drinking some Organifi green juice right now. It's just a scoop. You take a little scooper, you pop it into a, a blender, maybe add some complete protein, and um, you're going to get an entire uh, meal filled with superfoods. It only takes 30 seconds of your time. It includes all kinds of adaptogenic um, ingredients like ashwagandha. It'll support your adrenals. It decreases inflammation. It helps mitigate stress. This is why micronutrients and eating green foods. It's important that not all of us have all day to be chopping up vegetables and everything else. My family does like to eat whole food, but sometimes I'll just like go into the garage and pound out some thrusters, some single arm kettlebell thrusters, thrusters with a 53 pound kettlebell, and I'm smoked afterwards. Then I have to go to work. I'm sitting in front of a computer and my muscles are starving for nutrition. So I go into the kitchen. I throw a scoop of their complete protein. I throw a scoop of their green juice into a blender add some apple, add some spinach and kale, and bam, I've got myself a snack that's going to hold me through a few hours of consultations, podcast interviews. If you go to Organifi.com slash beloved, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash beloved, B-E-L-O-V-E-D, you'll automatically save 20% on, on your purchase. All of their stuff is, is uh, USDA organic, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free. It's vegan, non-GMO. It's everything. And there's only one company out there like this, and that's Organifi. So again, go to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash beloved. Save 20% on your purchase. You're not going to regret it. You're not going to regret it. I wouldn't even be recommending this product um, because first off, I don't seek out sponsors that aren't in alignment with my company's values. But also, I use it for me and my family, and I truly believe that this is one of those products that you need to have in your uh, in your pantry, aka your medicine chest, right? <laughs> All right, let's get back to my conversation with Ryan's break. Yeah, it's cannabis is a huge part of our life. My my wife and I, we um, 
I use cannabis almost nightly before bed, not because I have a hard time falling asleep, but because it really does unlock something. And I, I've got this couple strains that are biodynamic out from out in Colorado somewhere. And I will be looking to re up at some point. So I'll, I'll let you know, <laughs> but, <Yeah>. but the, <laughs> uh, it, it, the medicine there is not so much. I need to forget about my day or I need mm. to calm down, calm the F down. It's more like, Hey, I'm, I'm like willing to surrender to whatever it is that you have to show me. And sometimes I'm shown some incredibly elegant things as I'm falling asleep with the help of this plant. But we trust mm. each other. You know, it's a conversation. Mm. It's a dialogue as opposed to a me hijacking a part of nature for my own benefit, which is what happens with across the world with, with pharmaceuticals. And, and, and I'll also put a plug in there that I'm pretty sure our second kiddo was born as a result of, of improved intimacy through this particular strain of cannabis. I think that we were having amazing sex and with that amazing sex, we, we sort of opened up energetically, sort of exposed ourselves to maybe exposed ourselves. Isn't the right word, but, but, <laughs> uh, we, we, we sort of, it was, it was a bit of an energetic invitation to, Hey, yeah. this is an okay place. This is a safe place. There's, there's, this is a, a place of love, you know, in sort of a divine interbeing of the feminine and the masculine. This is a safe space for you. Mm. And yes. little Everly Rose came through of course, but, and I know for sure <laughs> that we conceived that day. Just don't ask me how, but I just know. Yeah. <laughs> and I hear from couples all the time as an OBGYN where intimacy is an issue. They've got a second chakra issue. They're not creatively expressing themselves. And mm -hmm. I could think of five ways that they could just start to work on this by just implementing something like a responsible cannabis practice, which like you said, is not like you're going to the, the bar and you're just hammering as many beers as you can. This is a conscious, intentional practice that you have. So I'm curious, I mean, have you worked with any couples or any, any individuals, maybe even in your own life around intimacy issues and how cannabis can help to kind of find the, the, the square hole for the, for the, for the uh, square peg, so to speak. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Didn't mean to make that so sexual like, in, in reference. Yeah. The puns here are amazing. You know, yeah. it's like I go down so many rabbit holes. Right. And you I imagine from the penis. smile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Other problems. If you have that problem. I don't know if cannabis will help <laughs> with that, but you never you. know. I mean, it helps a lot, you know, um, you know, this is one of my favorite areas to talk about with regards to cannabis. And yeah. it's one of the reasons why me and Alex at connect with cannabis. We say that we have the most fun homework on the internet because where else are you going to be told that you have to go have sex with your partner? You get to play games with your friends and you get to uh, laugh as much as possible. Right. And those are your homework assignments, Sign right? Like yeah. better make sure you have your homework done. Right. So yeah, uh, there's a lot that I could talk about with sex and intimacy with regards to cannabis. And I feel first I'll speak to uh, my own personal experience with it. So uh, over the last two years, you know, really how this whole idea was born where I connected so much deeper to the plant. It's a long story. But, you know, throughout the years, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm. Right. So I ended up interacting with the plant unconsciously, as I've, you know, kind of alluded to. And it was through a plant medicine ceremony in the weirdest place you could ever imagine. And I'll say it because it's it's pretty comical. So Rachel and I went to a big cannabis convention in Las Vegas. And we were going <laughs> out there to to basically figure out, like, find an investor, do it our own way, you know, that kind of thing. We don't need this dispensary we're working at. And so we went out there, 
And uh, basically, we didn't find what we were looking for. And we mm. were both kind of bummed out. So I'm like, what do you want to do? She's like, strip club. I'm like, sick, right? <laughs> so we interact with the plant medicine. We go to the strip club. And long story short, I ended up having this awakening there where I realized a lot. And again, this is a long part of the story, but I, I won't get into it. But basically, I realized, wow, I've been using cannabis unconsciously. And uh, so for the last two years, uh, since that realization, that's what started Highly Optimized, actually. And so since that realization, I've been interacting with cannabis only on the weekends. Because during the weeks, I know I'm likely to fall back into that pattern sure. of like unconscious use, etc. And so something that Rachel and I have, you know, really created in our relationship with each other and our relationship, mutual relationship to cannabis is what we call a sex ritual. And so every Friday night, we have it planned, right? And, and this can sound weird to people like, what, you plan out your sex? No, yeah, it sounds like Alistair awesome, McCrowley right? or whatever. Yes. It's, uh, is that his yeah. name? Alistair Crowley? Yeah. The, yes. uh, Original yes. gangster yes. of Western sex magic. <laughs> Dude, that guy was an absolute G. Uh, you know, the term that comes to mind is G'd up from the feet up, or as I like to translate it, cheat up from the feet up, you know, because that guy definitely had it going on. Right. But, uh, you know, what Rachel and I will do is there's certain strains, uh, certain strains that are high in limonene are strains we look for that are really good at enhancing sex in, uh, as a practice, right? And if we look at what sex is meant to be, right? Like, of course, sex is, yes, it, it creates life, all of these things, but it's supposed to allow you to create union and see yourself mirrored back in that other person. It's really a psychedelic, it's the yeah. original psychedelic experience, right? Yeah. And yeah. so I've absolutely what, experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can reach enlightenment through sex, right? And mm. have that like holy shit moment. And cannabis can really help get you there because it gets you out of your head and more into your body, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, why do men get erectile dysfunction many times? Because they're in their head, right? Why do women have challenge reaching climax and, you know, getting out of their, like, it's because they're in their head, right? And yeah. So, you know, what Rachel and I have done is we interact with cannabis in a way intentionally where we're like, hey, you know, and, and I'll, I'll say something quick on the whole idea of intention is that a lot of times when I talk about, you know, using cannabis intentionally, people can think like, oh, like, what do I have to do? I'm like, listen, you don't have to be like, I want to be an infinite star seed and, you know, be in the nebula galaxy. <laughs> you can have fun with it. I want to laugh, right? Sure, it can be as simple sure. as that. So we'll create an intention that's like, we want to laugh a lot and we want to connect deeply to each other. And then we'll throw on some music and we'll just get into like a three or four hour sex ritual. And it is unbelievable. Wow. Like, wow. it's it, you know, for anyone listening, I can never explain it and put it into words as well as the experience is. Just go try it out. Again, you know, it's not my uh, medical advice, but I would say, <laughs> you know, that someone who isn't me would say that it's very, very beneficial. And so to break down a little bit of the components of it, you know, different terpenes allow you to have uh, better blood flow. You know, of course, cannabis is a plant medicine that, like I said, gets you into your body. Mm. And, and really, it's once again, it's feminine, right? So it allows you to become more present. And in the present moment, it also allows you uh, to mirror back to yourself what yeah. you're feeling internally. And so you can have deeper conversations while you're in the sexual act with your partner. What I like about it a lot is it makes the whole foreplay part way more fun too. Mm. Like, it's like, no, 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 no. I'm not ready for the main course yet. Right. Yeah. Whereas men, of course, you know, like a big problem men have, and I've had for uh, a long time and have moved through is that like, okay, like, you know, call it, you know, watching pornography, anything. It's like, you just get this ridiculous view of what sex is. Supposed yeah. To be, oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. And you miss out on the best parts, right? It's like, you know, when you go to a really nice dinner, you know, you're not like, okay, let's get this fucking appetizer so I can get to the main course, right? You're enjoying every part of it. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so it allows you to have a full experience, right? It's not just an off gassing, right? It's not like, as Paul says, sex and violence love, it's actual, like intimate lovemaking. Right. And, uh, 
you know, in the program, we talk about this a lot. We have a lot of different assignments that deal with intimacy and, uh, you know, connecting deeper to yourself, which therefore allows you to connect deeper with your partner, have uh, interesting conversations, you know, have, have otherwise challenging conversations to have. But when your triggers are down and your mind is down, you're not as likely to get triggered and have those like, you know, those shut off moments. I, I mean, the rabbit hole really goes really deep. But what I can say uh, very, <laughs> very confidently is that if you have yet to try it, definitely try it out. It is absolutely amazing. And it really helps you just, I mean, as simple as this, connect deeper to your partner. Yeah. I personally had for in the most stressful periods of my life, when I was expected to be on right brain, like almost all day for weeks on end. I would actually have issues with like premature ejaculation. Like I was so sympathetically in such sympathetic overdrive and people guys out there don't like talking about this because everybody wants to everybody to think they're fuck machines. But if you've actually gone, if you've (laughs) never had an issue with anything with regards to sexual performance, then you can as a coach can't help anybody out anyways. But part of the recovery for me was to be doing more yin, more working in as, as we learned through the Czech Institute. Um, but then it was the, the missing ingredient for me was finding a strain of cannabis that I could commune with. It was almost like a mentor, like a guide. Mm. And as soon as you get out of your head, bam, yes, you're a fuck machine, I suppose. But it's yeah. never, it, you never stop learning. Like it's a constant rechecking in with the process. And my wife was super happy about that. Um, and it probably would have resolved yeah. without cannabis. But the, the getting out of your head is so important because sex is not like, we're not rationalizing where we're putting it or how we're doing it or how we're touching her or how we want to be touched. It's just, it's just a conversation without words. And, um, yeah. and that sounds so cliche, but man, if you, it's if you have, the, it is an art. Yeah. And, and, and as you, my wife and I've been together for 20 years. So as you get more and more experienced, you kind of run out of tricks because you're overthinking, like, what is the thing that she wants now? Maybe she wants this. Maybe she didn't like this last time. And you get it as opposed to just like, pressing your naked bodies together and laughing and cuddling and spooning and doesn't even have to result in intercourse. It could be intimacy on a much, much higher conscious level, our higher consciousness. And, um, so anyways, I, I, I didn't mean to, to interrupt there, but, uh, I I think this is really, really critical. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I love, you know, thinking about that Paul says a lot is what does intimacy mean into you, me, see, right. And so like, you know, that's one of the things that I've noticed so much. And I'm glad you brought up premature ejaculation, right? Because this is something that men don't want to talk about. You know, of course, like once again, from most men watching pornography, they, they think that that's like the standard and that's how things are supposed to be. But in reality, you know, premature ejaculation is nothing to be ashamed of. It's just a, it's just an awareness, right? It's an awareness of like you said, oh, I'm too sympathetic, right? And I'm, I'm maybe too much in my head. Maybe I've been watching too much pornography. Maybe I've been, you know, it's just like, Again, like if we are a race car driver and we blow a tire because we're taking turns too fast, do we, you know, kick the car and say we're a terrible race car driver? Or do we go, <laughs> hey, how do I take these corners in a way that's not going to wear my tires down so yeah, quickly, right? Yeah. And so this is really where we get to be the scientists of our own lives. And mm. so for me, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that when we get out of our heads and into our bodies, you know, we're more aware of, we're more aware of breath, we're more aware of the subtleness of what's going on. Right. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, if, if people listening have yet to experience this, I mean, you know, I'm not saying this is necessarily the goal, but when it happens, uh, it definitely changes things. When you and your partner can be, you know, in a sexual, uh, in a sexual act and you can both climax at the same time 
and not trying to, but it just happens because you're so in sync that literally your heartbeats are almost sunk, yeah, synced up, yeah, right? Your like breath, your, your nervous yeah, systems are uh-huh. synced up. You are literally becoming one omniscient unit, right? And that is like, I mean, talk about like full-blown ecstasy on a level that really <sighs> not many people can comprehend. You know, something you mentioned there too with regards to sex was, you know, that, yeah, you probably could have figured it out without cannabis, right? And this is the argument I hear a lot from people with regards to plant medicines in general, right? It's like, oh, well, you know, you didn't, you, what, do you need plant medicines to heal? It's like, no, but if I want to get to the moon, am I going to walk or am I going to take a rocket ship, right? Because <laughs> time is the most valuable resource yeah. on, on in our experience, right? right. Not money. And right. so, you know, the thing that, you know, plant medicines do is they allow you to, you know, get to the conclusion or get to at least the next step in your process of getting a conclusion much faster if you go into them intentionally and if you're open and you surrender to them. Yeah. Right. It's not like, a, you know, uh, it's not a given. Right. It's not like, oh, you take this and you're going to figure all your stuff out. In most cases, the reason people have challenges with plant medicines in general is because they think that they think, yeah. OK, I'm going to take this and then I'm enlightened, like you were talking about earlier, when in reality, it's like, no, you're going to take a plant medicine to figure out everything that your mind is protecting you from in your daily you know, life. You're going to figure out every challenge you're having, every weakness, every part of your shadow, right? You're, it's all going to be illuminated. And once Pandora's box is opened, it's really hard for it to close again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. These are just tools. I mean, these are bridges to get us through periods of life. They are powerful tools that need to be respected. And um, fortunately, cannabis is a little bit more forgiving than ayahuasca. In some mm. regards, like if you're not setting intention <laughs> before you do, you know, some of these, these, you know, DMT and, and some of these more powerful medicines, um, you could really damage yourself. But I would say you could do the same with cannabis. I think if you abuse cannabis or anything else, you, you might actually make things worse. And if you're coming to the conversation, whether you're talking about this for help with intimacy, with your pain disorders, with, I use cannabis uh, in my palliative care patients, like it, it fixes everything. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it, it, it relaxes the mind. It helps with sleep. It helps with appetite. It helps with pain. It helps with nausea. I mean, everything. So if you're coming to the conversation though, and you want to use cannabis as a like quick fix silver bullet thing, like you're, you're, you're missing the point again. It's like going to an herbalist who's giving you a prescription for an herb for a problem is no different from allopathic medicine, which forgets the, for the essence of being a, a whole being, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what my practice holistic, my, my holistic OBGYN practice is all about. And that's in, in your holistic lifestyle coach yourself. So mm-hmm. when we go and we start talking about diet and movement and mindset and all these things, there's no, you come to realize there's no magic bullet, but there's also a bunch of very, very inexpensive technologies that we can start to adapt to that don't require you to go to the jungle. And it, it just requires a little bit of intention setting, I think, before we start to, to implement these things and then constantly checking back in to see how you're doing. And if it's not going well, then you call somebody like you up and you say, Ryan, I've been using this. I've doing, doing what you, what you guys talked about on the podcast. It's not working. And that's where the one-on-one coaching I imagine would come into play to help kind of fine tune things just a little bit. So, um, I am very grateful for the work you're doing, man. I, I think that we could probably, I think we're going to have to do a couple more episodes together. (laughs) Yes, Um, sir. You're coming on the psychedelic one very soon. I think next week or or, yeah, next week. Yeah. I think it's the fifth. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. We'll we'll talk a a little bit about this. I, 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 um, I wanted to, I I want you to be able to have some time to introduce your courses and whatnot. Um, but real quickly, Hmm. can you talk a little bit about cannabis use in pregnancy? Have you had anybody reach out about this or have you done any research yourself? Cause I've, 
there's not there's not a lot out there from what I've been able to find. So I'm curious as to what you've been finding. And for anybody out there, if if we haven't reiterated this enough, this is not medical advice. It's educational. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. It was just two people talking who've done some homework on this. So Ryan, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when I worked at the dispensary, this was a really interesting topic because we would have people come in that were, you know, looking to, uh, I don't know if the right term is get pregnant. You have a better term mm. than this, you know, looking They're struggling to, with fertility. Uh, I don't know. What yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. They were, they were looking to get into that process and they were like curious, like, you know, Oh, I've heard it so bad. I've heard all these things. And at the end of the day, what I choose to believe is that we also had many people come in that were pregnant and were interacting with cannabis. Now, my whole feeling of this, right? And this is my personal thing, because again, I, there is very little research out there. And also like, of course, like I have my own personal beliefs that aren't necessarily rooted in science about this. But what I believe is that the history of uh, cannabis being used in pregnancy, especially in places like Jamaica and India and places like that, go back thousands of years. And I think a lot of the reason that people look at it as this terrible thing to do mm. is because of the propaganda, right? Because they still think that cannabis is this thing that, you know, kills brain cells, even though it actually promotes neurogenesis. Uh, it's this thing that, you know, makes you dumb, even though that's just the individual using it. And it's mirroring back their internal state of whatever they already are, lazy, smart, dumb, whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, these are plants that were put on earth for us to interact with, right? right. And I think that one of the biggest, the silliest things, and again, like when I take plant medicines, this is one of the things that when I think about cannabis specifically, it just always makes me giggle with cosmic laughter because it's like, how silly are we as human beings that we can go to the moon, allegedly, right? Uh, and uh, and do all these amazing things, have 5G and all this stuff, right? <laughs> is that a conspiracy yet, theory joke right there? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I just love throwing those things in there to make people go, do you not believe we landed on the it's moon? Amazing. Relax, yeah. guys. It's okay. I just love doing that. But, <laughs> but uh it's like if you throw allegedly after anything, it just immediately makes it funnier. <laughs> it's like so you know? like, it's a, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's it's like we have 5G, allegedly. You know, it's just, it's just funny, you know. But, but, you know, we have all these amazing things. But yet we still think we have a right to illegalize a plant. Yeah. And we still think that we know how to, how to uh, we know nature better than nature knows nature. And so my personal feeling on this is if, you know, someone, and this is, this is how I did it in the dispensary. When people were coming in that were genuinely curious, like, hey, cannabis, I need cannabis for my menstrual cramps. I need it for these things. It really helps me stay off pharmaceuticals, yada, yada. And I'm in the process of, you know, like getting pregnant and these types of things, or I Mm -hmm. am pregnant. Mm -hmm. We would talk about harm reduction, right? It's like, okay, so you're probably not going to want to be smoking cannabis, right? You might not even want to be inhaling cannabis. Maybe you want to go for heavier CBD things, right? But at the end of the day, the research that I've looked at, and again, research changes all the time, right? But the research that's out there right now shows that babies that were born from mothers that were interacting with cannabis versus babies that were born from mothers that were not interacting with cannabis have no noticeable differences whatsoever in IQ, in you know development of the whole mm-hmm. entire spectrum. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's really no difference. Now, does that mean that it's a free pass and you can just go, like I said, smoke blunt after blunt and do all these things? Uh, I would definitely say no, right? Probably not. But it yeah. Means, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But, but again, it's like, is the plant bad for pregnancy? I don't believe so. Yeah. Do I believe that some of the ways people use it and the amounts they use it could potentially interact with it? Ah, it's a possibility. I don't yeah. have the evidence to say yeah. so, but you know, I think that a lot of the things that, you know, and you would know this way better than I do, but you know, from an outsider looking in, a lot of the pharmaceuticals and things that mothers get put on, 
I would imagine are much more damaging oh, yeah. to, um, yeah. to, you know, the fetus or the baby. I don't know if, again, the right terminology it's here. A, it's a but, fetus. It's a fetus until the baby is born. Then you have a baby. Right, That's fetus. technically yeah. the language. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the unborn fetus and the born baby. Right. Uh, you know, I believe those things are a lot more damaging, you yeah. know? And again, do I know that? No, I don't know that. Right. But I am, from what I know about pharmaceuticals and the fact that they've only been around a hundred, 200 years plus, I mean, if we're giving them some really big grace here, you know, versus people interacting with cannabis for literally over 5,000 years. And that's just what the texts go back to. You know, I would say that cannabis is much safer to interact with. And again, this is my personal belief, not medical advice, but I would believe cannabis is much safer than most pharmaceuticals that people will get put on. Yeah. Uh, Now, again, if there's a specific issue you have that, you know, a certain pharmaceutical will do again, I don't know all the certain parameters, but from the people that I worked with one-on-one as a patient care advocate that did do that, their their babies were perfectly healthy yeah, when they were born. Yeah. And they were much less stressed throughout the whole process. And I truly believe, and and again, I, I imagine this will spark a lot for you. I really believe that, you know, your health as a mother, when you are, you know, in that process of being pregnant is extremely vital to the baby's health, right? And and to the uploads or quote unquote first impressions they get about stress, about worry, about safety, about all these things. So if you can interact with the plant in a healthy way that allows you to feel happier, feel less stressed, and be able to move through the process of pregnancy, which is a ridiculously challenging process if you really think about it. That's why women, I always say, are stronger than men. But if you can move through that with grace and ease, I say, yeah. you know, why wouldn't you utilize something <clears throat> like that? Yeah, <clears throat> there, like you said, there's not a ton of data. I've I've done some digging, and Kyle Kingsbury turned me on to the Jamaica study that you're referring to, mm. which is a couple hundred yeah. women in Jamaica. It's a cultural practice. It's a part of who you are. Half mm-hmm. the women in the study were smoking daily, or at least routinely, in pregnancy. The other half weren't, and there was no milestone differences, no neuro, neurodevelopmental uh, differences, except I think at 30 days, the kids that were exposed to cannabis in utero actually were doing better, which is kind of interesting. But because we've just been indoctrinated with the idea that all drugs are bad, as opposed mm-hmm. to, hey, drugs used without the right intentions might be bad. It's really, really hard, I think, to jog people from that, you know, the amnesia of, hey, this is a, an ancient plant with ancient implications that have been, it's probably been documented even back into Chinese medicine texts, which are 6,000 years old, which is what you had said. Um, but I'd, I'd be curious if there was references in like the Ayurvedic texts, which are 16,000 mm-hmm. years old, because... Why yeah. not? Like, why wouldn't they be? And I, and I think that for, for those out there who are curious on, about the, the sort of nuances of some of this clinical research, smoking a cigarette is not smoking tobacco. It's, and, and really, exactly. it's, it's very different from even from what we do is vaporizing tobacco, where you're getting nicotine mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of other stuff that's, that's, that's particleized, not particleized, it's, uh, what's the word, vaporized into little water vaporized. droplets, which do you then breathe mm-hmm. in and your body takes in or rejects. And, mm-hmm. and that's that. Whereas burning a cigarette or even burning a blunt, you know, a rolled mm-hmm. marijuana cigarette is mm-hmm. going to have particulate matter. It's going to have heat. So that study is different from somebody who vaporizes cannabis, but we don't have that study because everybody is still too afraid. And to ask those questions makes you some sort of like deviant within the medical community. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I will, I will point out that there was a study in the green journal, uh, when I was in fellowship. So that was like 2018, something like that, that came out that, that looked at cannabis use retrospectively and, and found that babies born to moms who use cannabis tend to be on the smaller side 
compared to normal size infants to women who don't use it, but they didn't control for all the confounding variables like concurrent drug use. Like how many women are admitting to using cocaine in their pregnancy? Like that's a straight, straight, uh, a straight shot down to the child protective services office, you know? So, so anyways, all that I'm saying is that we don't have a lot of clear data, but if we're, if we're to use the same logic as we would with anything we put into our bodies, this is a completely organic, completely natural product versus I can name a hundred different synthetic pharmaceuticals that we've been recommended in pregnancy. And I'm like, hell no, we're not putting that in my wife's body. Like my, my wife's like, we, we don't want to do that. I mean, not even to get into <laughs> vaccines and all that other stuff. It's just like, like why put a wrench in something that isn't broken? Like you're just jamming up the gears yeah. now. And I don't see cannabis in that way. I will not flat out say everybody should use it. Cause I don't think people use alcohol either. I don't think that people use things consciously. I don't think they use it with intention. And yeah. I think it's important. I think it really is important that, that you approach these things with intention. Yeah. And, you know, I love that you spoke to that because I say it all the time, like no one needs cannabis. Right. I don't think cannabis or anything in the world is meant for everyone. That being said, for those that, you know, feel the pull, they feel the call, they feel like there's just something about this that I'm curious about. Yeah. That's a good telltale sign that this plant might work really well for you. Mm. And by really well, I don't mean that it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows. Sure. But I mean that cannabis calls upon the people that are that are at the level of development in whatever way you want to view that, whether it's soul, spirit, you know, consciousness, whatever, that are ready to go a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole. I mean, let's face it, some people are happy with like their football, their nine to five job. And that's great, right? That's awesome for them. That is their heaven, right? right? But also there's other people like I imagine, I know you are, I am where I'm like, I have really deep questions that I need some answers for, right? Yeah. Like I don't feel safe in life when I'm looking around and like, I'm looking at the way that most people go through life. And I'm like, this does not feel safe to me, yeah. right? Like I don't like feeling like I'm just a blob here and nothing really matters. There's not magic. That doesn't help me feel safe. And so I feel like this plant you know, in all of these plant medicines, uh, for lack for for that matter, are here for certain people who are at the point of soul development to de- ask really deep questions, yeah. right? And 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 also face the otherwise sometimes challenging answers that come out as a result of that. You know, and you know what the what the program really focuses on. You know, we've talked about you know cannabis being feminine. We've talked about cannabis, you know, mirroring back your internal state to you. And the last thing and the most potent thing that I believe cannabis can do, right, especially for coaches and people that are doing this type of work and why we work with coaches, facilitators and healers is that cannabis is imagination medicine. And, you know, that saying, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must first enter the mind of a child, Mm. right? Well, heaven is a place on earth, just like hell is, right? It's not somewhere we go after we die, right? Do I know that quantifiably? No, but I've had the direct experience of it that allows me in my <laughs> own good enough for experience. Me. <laughs> it, right? Yeah. And so, you know, if we believe that heaven is a place that you can attain on earth, okay, then how do we enter the, chi- the mind of a child? Well, let's think about what the mind of a child is attributed to. It's imagination. It's curiosity, mm-hmm. right? And so from imagination, we can then imagine a new reality for ourselves, right? A new story. And that story can then create new belief structures. And those belief structures then create your experience of life. And so very similar to how we were talking about like, do you need cannabis to do that? No, but it's more than likely going to be a really challenging route without it, because you're going to have to go through the ego and solve the problem from the same level of thinking that created it, right? Versus taking a control alt delete out of the level of thinking that created it, getting into your body and going, and just laughing at yourself, right? Laughing with yourself rather. And like, wow, I took that so seriously. Like, 
what if I just choose to believe right now that everything is working for me? What does that mean for me, right? Ooh. These are the kind of things that yeah. cannabis can help with. And one of the things I find that so many coaches, facilitators, and healers get stuck with is in their own lives and also with their clients is they have challenge breaking through their plateaus, right? And again, like plant medicines are great, but most people don't have the time to go to the jungle, right? Most people are not ready to interact with yeah. something even like psilocybin, right? But cannabis can be microdosed. There's a lot of research out of it now. And so it's a great way to be able to help your clients break through plateaus. And it really is the people psychedelic. I mean, it is the absolute medicine that mirrors everything back to you. It shows you yourself in a way that I haven't had any other medicine show myself, uh, show me to myself. Mm. And so that's a little bit of what the program is. It's a 10 week certification program where we certify you to coach with cannabis, right? For yourself, for your clients, for your loved ones, uh, and for the world at large, right? This plant's coming online. It's a $98.6 billion industry. And in that industry, I can tell you working with over 9,000 patients that 99.999% of them have no idea what they're doing. And a lot of times they're doing much more harm than good. And they're going to need guides, right? We need role models. We need a movement of people that understand how to work with this plant because you can go find ayahuasca, ayahuasca arrows, right? You can go find people that know about psilocybin, but where are the guides for the most popular plant medicine available today? There's none. There's no user right. manual. There's nothing. Right. So we're filling that gap. Yeah, I think, I, I think people, I, I, I hope people will go to check you out and we're going to put all of the links in the show notes. I, something that I was, uh, sort of reminded of is the, you know, the sort of modern day shaman. It's like somebody mm -hmm. goes to a weekend retreat and now they're a shaman and, yes. and it's similar with cannabis. It's like, well, I've been using cannabis since college. I, I'm like, I know everything there is to know. Like, I know it. I yeah. doubt you know anything about it. In fact, that scares the hell out of me. Like, what are you putting in my body? Um, yes. <laughs> so for those who are interested in learning about more about cannabis, what is the website that they can go to to sign up on? Yeah. So the new website will be live in about a week and it's highlyoptimized.me. Uh, that's like the full website that'll have the, the podcast landing pages there. It'll have the Connect with Cannabis page. It'll give a lot of info about right the on. course. And if you want to, like, I imagine for many people listening, they're like, well, I don't know. How do I know if this is the right program for me? We get that, right? So that's why I offer a complimentary call. You can go to my link tree on my Instagram, which is at the real Ryan Sprague. And you can go on there, book a call, and we can talk about, you know, your fitness coach, business coach, mindset coach, transformation coach, et cetera, plant medicine guide. You know, we can talk about your experience with cannabis, your experience in your business and see together whether or not this program is right for you, right? Yeah. Because my intention is only to have the people in the program that are right for the program because it's doing a disservice to both me and the client if that's not the case, right? Yeah. And so book a call, get on, ask me any question you want. If you have grow questions, I love answering those things too. I do grow consultations, you know, really like, I look to empower people in any way I possibly can. And cannabis is one of the languages that I speak most fluently. And so for anyone curious, book a call, hop on. You can also go to our business uh, Instagram at highly.optimized. If you just want to search around for free info that we give out constantly on being able to understand the science of cannabis, uh, the ceremony, like the qualitative aspects of how to understand the language that it speaks to you in, and then actually how to apply that to a business structure. Right That's on. the three levels of the course we do. And we talk, we speak to all of them on the business profile. So, yeah. Amazing. Ryan Sprague. Oh, yeah. Is it Sprague <laughs> or Sprague? I never really asked you. Sprague. You got it right Sprague. first time. Okay. Great. You got it right the first time, man. Yeah. kind of want to say Prague, but it's not. It's Sprague. So, <laughs> Maybe um, I'll change it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Well, it's been a pleasure, man. It's been a pleasure to get, to catch up and to just see your your shining face. You're 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 such a um, you're a light worker. I mean, you really are. You 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 give me energy. You you exude this positivity and this sort of balance in sort of consciousness, I suppose, uh, to everything <laughs> that you do. Your work, your interactions, your friendship, and I really appreciate. It. I know we haven't gotten to see each other much since Paul's birthday, and um, I hope that we'll we'll get to see each other soon, and we're gonna have to do a, a part two soon here. Absolutely, because I've got a million Dude. more questions. <laughs> You know, I love this, what you just talked about, I have a term for it, right? Which is being a battery charger, right? Ah. Like I look for other battery chargers. That's exactly what you do to me. Like when I think about Paul's party, right? That was like, wow, Paul's really aced it at getting all the battery chargers together. Like I felt like I was shaking the whole day with so much energy. Again, projectors, we don't make our own energy, but we can get it from people around us. So yeah, I'm happy to charge your battery, man. And thank you for charging mine. You know, it's, it's really like, you know, I like to take myself as least seriously as I possibly can, because again, that's how you enter the mind of a child. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's really how the magic, you know, I've experienced comes back into life. So thank yeah. you for that reflection. Yeah. <laughs> well, brother, man, I, uh, I will, we'll be in touch very, very shortly and we will, um, yeah, let me know how I can continue supporting you. I love what you're doing and I'm going to have to take your course this year. I'm 2022. Yes. I'm going to sign go. myself up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, man. man. Love you too. Make no mistake, Ryan Sprague is one of the true verifiable experts in cannabis nowadays. And uh, he, he is he takes this very, very seriously. He takes it as seriously as I took my medical education. And I can't be more grateful to be friends with him and to be sharing information and expertise and just partnering with him in all things all walks of life. And so Ryan, thank you for coming on the show. I hope everybody that you enjoyed this conversation, make sure you go to Organifi.com or Waveblock.com. Save yourself uh, some money using code Beloved at either website in order to optimize your health and the health of your family and friends. Uh, we've got some incredible interviews coming up on the on the show here. I've got Yuri Appendit coming back on the show to talk about breath and healing from within. I've got a solo cast coming up here in a few weeks. Um, Rixa Freeze is going to be coming to talk about some scary stuff that has happened in attending breech births. And Jason Leister, my good friend at freedomworkspca.org, he's going to be coming on to talk about a new business model for birth workers. So we've got so many, so, so, so many great episodes coming up. I thank you so much for tuning in. Again, you can find me and my practice at BelovedHolistics.com. We're going through some rebranding, so stay tuned for some exciting changes there. If you want to find the show notes for this episode and every episode of the Holistic OBGYN podcast, go to www.holisticobgynpod.com. You can make donations there. You can sign up for a newsletter there or on my main website at BelovedHolistics.com. And if you haven't yet, please go to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. It really, really helps other people find us. Leave some comments, leave some criticism, whatever. We just, I just want to hear from you. I want to make sure that I'm serving you, my people, my audience, my friends. I want to know that I'm serving you well. So that does it for this episode. This was episode, gosh, 42. We're already on 42. We'll see you next time on the Holistic Way Podcast. Take care, everybody.